This is the Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. Hey, Ethan, how are you doing? Doing good, Matt. How are you doing? Good. Don't laugh at my bathrobe. I turned the heat. <laughs> I turned the heat off so there'd be less background noise. So now There's I nothing wrong like with a, that. Now I look like a to- total dork. A bathrobe with a hoodie sticking out of it. Well, I probably look pretty luxurious from my end. I'm all balled up against uh, the, the uh, array of throw pillows that my wife has oh, look- on our bed. I've made myself very comfortable. Yeah, you look. You look uh, ready for nighty night. <laughs> my my night gets I guess, sooner. But. Yeah, my nighty night gets sooner and sooner. Uh, it would seem. What do you mean? Well, get with kids. Oh, okay. <laughs> by, by the time I've done the done the get up thing and the work thing and come home and the fight the good fight thing, my nighty night's getting earlier and earlier. I start sucking wind pretty fast. Uh, how old are your kids? Um, our daughter is our oldest. She's getting ready to turn four here in about three weeks or so. And then our son, he's going to be two in May. What's your day job? Uh, I'm a, a truss, like a roof truss, uh, designer, um, mm. and salesman. I was a carpenter for quite a few years before that and made lead carpenter at a pretty young age. And I was starting to have some health issues. <laughs> from hitting it a little bit too hard a little bit too young and like back stuff yeah i hurt my back a few times and uh hernia uh, an umbilical hernia and uh a little bit a little bit of knee stuff every once in a while i don't feel it too much unless i'm you know uh, i I don't have to be down on them doing stuff anymore very much and they start barking a lot sooner than they did but, uh, yeah, I haven't been kind to myself. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. I have some of my closest friends are ex contractors and they are beat up. Well, that's why I kind of saw the writing on the wall of, like I said, I made a, I made lead guy a pretty young age. So I'm like, well, I don't have a lot of room to go up from here. So that's either wear the nail bags for another 40 years or look for something a little bit with a little bit more future. So, yeah. So are you trust worthy? I am. <laughs> or like we like to say, uh, this is the, this is, um, the, uh, the triangle of trust and you're not in it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I would have been shocked if that, if that pun had not, uh, have you had you not thought of that pun? several yeah. puns along those lines? Yeah, there's there's a couple out there, but they get flogged like a dead horse. Missouri. Yep. I um, am reading, you know the book Truman? I do not. Oh, it's David McCullough. He, he died a few years ago. I love this guy, man. This is the third one of his books I've read. I read 17, no. Yeah, 1776. It's about the Revolutionary War, and I read uh, Adams, which is a super long book, all about John Adams. Mm -hmm. And now I'm reading Truman, which is an even longer book, and it's all about Truman. And I've learned a little bit about Missouri 
in this book, you know that's where he's from. Mm-hmm. You did. Yeah, we actually have, I don't know if there's any correlation. We actually have Truman, uh, Truman State University. Oh, it's um, got to be. It's I would say it certainly has to be. Yeah. What What town is it in? I think Truman is someone's probably going to uh, scream at the their phones or laptops whenever they hear this. I, I'm pretty sure Truman is either in like the Columbia, Moberly area, something like that. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not real sure when it comes to some he, of those things. I think he was raised primarily. Well, he was. He, they moved around a lot, but he spent a lot of his youth in Independence. Mm-hmm. I learned quite a few things already. I learned that you guys were really mean to one another during the during the Revolutionary War. So I, I said Revolutionary War earlier. I meant War for Independence, but the Revolutionary War. You guys were. You guys in the Kansans. Holy crap! Just, just did some nasty stuff to one another. The Revolutionary War, or the Civil War. Civil War. I'm sorry. I'm getting. Yeah, I was tracking what you're saying. I was just making sure. Yeah, okay. I meant Revolutionary War up until this point. Yeah. Now I mean Civil War. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was. This was pretty. This was a pretty contentious area. Oh. Uh, I know during that time, because then, because I mean, some of that stuff spread plumb to Texas. You know. Um, yeah. And in between, and yeah. Just some nasty people. Like some yeah. of those gang, like some of those gangs and the things that they would do to, like it, it wasn't even just all it wasn't all Yankees and it wasn't all Confederates. Both no. sides were just so brutal to one another. Yeah, that's and the culture. I would even go so far as to say the cultures still somewhat exist. You know, I mean, you're oh. either you're either. Um, you know, still a, fan, a Jefferson Davis fanboy, or I guess you might say, like, probably oh, red really? redneck. Not really to that extent, but, you know, uh, red a little bit. Yeah, red blooded redneck, pure to the bone, or, you know, you don't sound like you have any accent whatsoever. I mean, the, the drawl and everything. I mean, you probably hear a little bit of drawl in my voice. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, the South, the South culture is still pretty prevalent, even because uh, I'm plumb up in the northeast corner of the state, and uh, the South culture. Is and still you still prevalent. sound like a cracker. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. I've been dr- addressed to the same town of about 900 people my entire my entire life. So, oh, you live, you still live where you were born. Nope, yep, addressed to the same town. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Well, I was born in, you know, town right next door because we don't have a hospital. But the the house, if you will, that I came home to after I was born, I'm still addressed to the same town, same small town. Okay. Okay. Speaking of, of Lee, or wait, who would you say? You said Jefferson Davis. He was the president of the Confederacy. But uh, there's a book, a, a, a quote in this book, this Truman book that I love that Robert E. Lee wrote. To his, it's a it's a letter. It's from a ro- a letter that Robert E. Lee wrote to his kid in 1860. Check this out. You must be frank with the world. Frankness is the child of honesty and courage. Say just what you mean to do on every occasion, and take it for granted you mean to do it right. Never do anything wrong to make a friend or keep one. The man who requires you to do so is dearly purchased at a sacrifice. Deal kindly, but firmly, 
with all your classmates. You will find it the policy which wears best. Above all, do not appear to others what you are not. Yeah. That's yeah. some pretty uh, awful sound advice for anybody in the world we live in today. Yeah. Man that was right fighting for slavery wrote that. That's one of the mo- you know, that's one of the most interesting things. It's like even <laughs> if you're capable right? of that, you still like Thomas Jefferson is an, another person that just in so many ways a high quality individual, but he had slaves, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and then, I mean, you could go all the way into a lot of history when it comes to that stuff, but you even, what, what is spread nowadays, so widespread nowadays, and I'm sure much of that exists, the negatives of, you know, we don't have to get into any great details of what was involved with all those things, you know, but then there was a lot of people that even with families, because a lot of times it was, you know, families that worked for certain people um even after they were freed many of them chose to you're saying black families continued to work yeah as yeah yeah yeah, continued to work because they were treated well or you know what or however you know that's just what they're used to this what they did and you know i would so venture to say some of them even have a pretty had a pretty good life sure um working for certain families so yeah yeah, but they don't as long talk as about it's not part. compulsory, I'm on board. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one other thing that I'm learning a lot about is the political machine it, that it used to exist in Kansas. The the Pendig- Pendergrast family. You ever heard of mm-hmm. them, Thomas mm-hmm. and Jim Pendergrast? Oh, they they made Truman. Really. Oh yeah, they were political well, bosses there, and they were had, um, and they were kingmakers. They they got to decide who ran for everything. Well, this is true even still today. <laughs> oh, there's a like a oh someone someone's deciding all of this. Oh, I see. What you're saying. You know, for everybody, even still, I don't think we really have a choice. Yeah, no, you're right. There's uh, yeah, you you have to be right. I don't know if it's as brazen as it was back then, but. Man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but back then, they everybody knew, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, shoot. They, have you they, ever, the Pendergrass uh, family would approach you and be like, you're running for Senate. Or you're running mm-hmm. for district court. Uh, well, that's was, essentially what happened to Theodore Roosevelt. Not, I don't think it so much had to do with a family, but they like basically let him know, hey, you're running for vice president. And he's like, uh... I don't really want to. And they're like, too bad. And and there we became vice president. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I always thought that. I thought that was kind of funny the first time I ever read that. And I'm like, man, why can't we have a president that didn't want to be in politics in the first place again? Yeah. Somebody that's loath to run. Yeah. Only doing it because, because uh, his country needs them, him or her. Yeah. Mm hmm. Indeed. All right. So you are a bow hunter and you belong. What's the group, the bow hunting organization there that you belong to? Uh, United Bow Hunters of Missouri. Okay. And how many folks are in that? 
Um, I'm a first year member and I just went to our, uh, my first gathering this last summer. Uh, it's our annual, um, rendezvous that we have where we get together and, and shoot and shoot the breeze and whatever, have drawings and giveaways and all that. And, uh, um, I, we seem as far as I can tell, I, I think we're somewhere around that. Oh, I'd say 50 to, you know, 50 members, 60 members. I may be either blowing that number up or, you know, or, uh, not giving enough credit, but it's, I would say we're somewhere around, you know, good 60 some on been or better members strong enough that we have our own little magazine that we send out to all the members, uh, every quarter, a seasonal, seasonal magazine that I contribute to. And um, how many people were at the rendezvous? Uh, the rendezvous, I would say we didn't have full turnout of all the members. Um, because obviously, I mean, whenever you have something centrally located like that, not everybody can make it. I, I, I bet it was, about 40 something like that so i would venture Whoa. to say we probably have but we may even have closer to 100 members i wish i knew how for sure exactly how many members that we had but yeah and then you also have a youtube bow hunting channel traditional bow hunting channel? uh it's it's shifted more as just traditional archery in general okay okay um, i don't do a lot of hunting content which we can get into that um but uh yeah, I choose to keep it strictly. Um, I, I would like to focus more on outdoor skills stuff as well, but I try to keep it strictly uh, traditional archery and just educating people on, uh, I guess, tutorials, if you will, on different aspects of just shooting a traditional bow and being accurate with it. Yeah. How long have you been doing that? Not the channel. I mean, shooting a tra trad bow. Um, I first started jacking around with it whenever I was a kid. Uh, Mostly because my um, one of my other great grandparents, who's actually I live in their house uh, now, um, he was one of the founding members of the Mississippi Valley Archery Club back in the day, and uh, he owned one of the first bow shops around here uh, back in the day. Uh, it's called Steve Sport Spot. Um, I'm sure this was probably back in the probably fifth, you know, sixties, fifties, something like that, and uh, and he was a big archery guy and even my grandma shot a recurve uh whenever they were yeah oh, really? he had a recurve That's in awesome. her hand and uh her friend her and her friend there's a funny story i'll tell real quick of her and uh one of her friends they came over and they stacked up some straw bales against my grandpa's aluminum boat and were shooting um at the hay bale you oh. know where this is going <laughs> and uh, my grandpa pulled the hay bales away and uh, they punctured that thing with several holes inside of his aluminum boat oh. <laughs> but uh aluminum is hard to weld yeah on too. And i'm sure that was well beyond um, anything he was willing to tackle but uh but yeah that um so yeah that's the the traditional archery bugs always been there ever since i saw his uh um old recurve and stuff hanging on the wall in the basement, which I still have, uh, um, which I'm very glad about that, especially since this house flooded at one point, but, uh, cause we're in a, a bit of a river bottom and, uh, but no, the, the traditional archery thing, it's one of those things that it's going to sound really cheesy, but you, I'm sure just, I've heard you talk enough about you choose to sh bow hunt scads more than you gun hunt. Um, so it would seem, mm -hmm. and uh, the tradition, the definitely the bow hunting, but the traditional thing just always seemed like uh, that's where I belong. That just suited my character better. 
uh, and the way that, I, cause I like a challenge and I've always been in, infatuated with native American culture. Um, and, oh, okay. uh, that's something. That's something yeah. that's always uh, any like movies that had Native Americans in them. Like I was, uh, I grew up on the old Davy Crockett movies. Those were like two of my favorite movies <laughs> ever made. Uh, the old Walt Disney Davy Crockett movies and um, Light yeah. in the Forest and some of those old Disney movies like that. And uh, so, yeah, just then it started with me uh, whittling my own bows out of saplings. Um, and stuff like that, like most kids probably did at some point or another, but, uh, but I didn't really pursue it until as far as like full time picking up a trad bow and going with it until 2021. So, and so the last few years, is that the only thing you've been yep, sold with? my compound? Yep. That's, that's, mm. uh, I forced myself into it. I, I just, it was one of those things I always wanted to do. And I had some bad experience, lost experiences, lost a couple deer trying to do it. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not just not ready to do it, not ready to do it. And then the time finally came where it's, I need to commit to do this and do it right, or I'm not going to do it at all. And I, if I don't give myself any choices, then I'm left with no choice, but to, to commit. That and, makes sense. Uh, so I sold my compound yeah. and found a guy that I knew that shot, that, that bow hunted with him for years and mentor me and uh, teach me some stuff. And, uh, I was off from there. I shot my first, uh, shot killed harvested tag my first deer that season with a stick bow um and it's just been kind of off how far away was he uh it was 15 yards i think yeah yeah that's like a 40 yard shot with the compound bow yeah yeah i try to keep most of my shots uh in, well inside that the longest shot i've taken at one and uh and i and i got it was uh 21 yards and that was a stab um that's that's about all the further i feel comfortable shooting what do you mean it was a stab well like that's a poke for me okay with, okay with my skill levels yeah okay. with a with a stick bow yeah i can i can shoot 40 and pretty confidently with a recurve mm -hmm. but i wouldn't i would not a snowflakes chance that i would do that with a on a live on a live animal um I mostly shoot long range just in the backyard to practice fundamentals and perfect fundamental per, perfect fundamentals uh for you know my actual close range hunting shots but I try to keep my shots shoot even more like 12 yards 10 yards if I can sure yeah I shoot my bow way further than I hope that I ever shoot it in and practice it you know I mm -hmm. I like to think that I'd never shoot as far as I practice mm -hmm. I don't practice out to 60 but man uh, 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 no way. Even an elk can do a lot of stuff. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've wounded some critters, and I've seen other people wound some critters. I'm just pretty, I'm pretty, pretty happy these days. I haven't wounded anything in, in several years, so I'm trying to reach that point. I've, I've, I, I can gladly say that. Um, it's been, and I won't say it's luck. I mean, I, I, I take practice as much as anybody, you know, who's, who's serious about it. The practice is very, very, very high on my priority list all year. I mean, I don't go. You'll, you'll practice in the winter. Oh yeah. I don't, I shoot multiple times a week all year long. So in the um, winter, like how cold will it be? Here? Well, right now we're getting ready to hit uh, our, uh, what I would call a normal, like cold snap for for the winter 
uh, this coming weekend, it's going to hit uh, below zero. Okay. So, okay. And uh, it'll, it, it'll generally do that about once in the winter, but I'd say uh, time in, time out through the winter, mid, mid 30s, upper 30s during okay. the day is about your general, you know, cold. You'll but, bu- so you bundle up and go out there and shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Or I shoot in my basement. I can, I can pull off about 12 yards in my basement. Um, I'll just shoot my basement if I have to, just to practice fundamentals. But yeah, I shoot out my window. some. yeah, that's not a bad idea. Well, until you forget to open the window, which I did a few years and shot right through it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. What was that? The only thing that day? Cause that sounds like something if it happened to me, that would not have been the only thing that day. (laughs) It's the only thing that sticks out. Oh man. Yeah, I went into the I closed the wind I shot some arrows and I went out and got them and I went into my garage to adjust something on my bow. And by the time I got back and I forgot in, I forgot that I had shut the window and just sent one man, right through. Did you get a full pass through? I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. No, so like I take I I'm just about to start I haven't shot I've been shooting like I did a bunch of rifle hunting and muzzle loader hunting after bow season so now i'm just getting ready to pick it back up and i'm actually excited about picking it back up and getting after it i missed a I bull love, that, i missed a bull this year really mm-hmm. yeah i've i got nothing to hide there i missed nine deer this year oh. horrible horrible year this year last year it didn't feel like i could miss and this year i, I could miss wow yeah. And I shot two. I killed two and missed nine. Yeah. You, I mean, you just seem like a very competent person. Uh, I thought I was. <laughs> yeah. Some of them were freak things. Like uh, the first, I missed one on opening evening of season, straight down shot. Mm-hmm. I don't practice straight down shots because sure. I don't, I don't like straight down shots mm-hmm. uh, just because uh, I, I like to shoot for that golden triangle as much as possible. Uh, and that scapula gets pretty scary um, from that angle. And if I start trying to shoot back enough to miss a scapula, I mean, you're hitting the back of the lungs and liver. And so I don't like to take that shot anyway. But I, it, he, she was just enough far enough from the tree that I felt like I could get away with it. And I, I shot inch. It had to have been within an inch or two under her belly. Mm, yeah. And then the second miss I sat through a rainstorm, like couldn't see 300 yard, 400 yards rainstorm because I was, I knew because of, uh, you know, Papa bears, Fred bears, 10 commandments, you know, and, which I fully believe as far as the rain thing, if you're out there when the rain stops or as soon as possible after the rain stops, stuff's going to move. You know? Oh, really? I didn't know that was, uh, one of yeah, his, he said, uh, rain, he said, uh, yeah, rain's not a reason to leave the woods. It's a reason to stay. That's what he said. Oh, and, uh, okay. uh, and I've definitely found that to be true with turkeys. Uh, if you oh, can hit the woods sure. as fast as possible after they come out to preen, and um, but yeah, and it's st- and it stood true. I mean, as soon as it stopped raining, deer started coming out of the woodwork. But my bow was sopping wet, and my woolly string silencers were loaded with water, and uh, and I tried to thumb my bowstring a few times when I got up on the tree to shake water off of everything. And, um, 
but the shot with the shot ended up being just a couple yards further than I thought. And then everything was sop and wet, which put some drag on everything. And, um, funny story, I ended up nicking the back of her leg come to find out cause I shot the same doe about a month later. Oh, wow. And, uh, and she, she had was asking on, for it. Yeah. She had a cut on the back of her. She had this deer at three, which this is controversial. We could probably talk about this, but personally i will shoot a doe that has young okay because as far as i'm and i've been back and forth with myself on that but as far as i'm concerned by that time they are they're essentially weaned they're self-sufficient by the time deer season rolls around and there's actually some uh i think some biologists have gone so far as to say uh they've, they've tried to at least put the science behind like button bucks if their mother is shot they're more likely to stay in that area for their whole life oh uh you know until they come to fruition oh, or whatever. okay probably because um, she starts kicking his butt yeah like you i've seen a lot of so when i was growing up in michigan we hunted over bait i don't mm -hmm. i don't hunt over bait i wouldn't if i moved back to michigan i wouldn't hunt over bait yeah. um like I don't have a stated position on bait hunting. It's not like part of what drives me to talk about hunting. But uh, mm -hmm. I remember several times seeing does kind of kick the shit out of their fawns around the bait pile. Yeah, I could see that. So I think once they get near weaning, maybe they just sort of like get away from me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then I see, and that maybe that's just with button bucks, because then I see does that clearly still have their fawn from the year before. Oh, yeah. Very common. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's never. I shot bucks. one of those this year, like the fawn from the year before, mm -hmm. you know, like a year and a half. And I've shot, I've like you, I've shot fawn, uh, does with, with fawns. I, yeah. I, I, I don't. It makes me feel a little kind of weird, but I still mm -hmm. do it, you know. And that's how I knew this was the same doe because yeah. the doe I shot, she had three. She had triplets. Oh, oh I thought you were going to say because of this Nick. Yeah, but, well, no, she had triplets. Okay. And yeah, that's, that's the only deer I've, matter of fact, it's the only deer I've seen in several years that had triplets. And then whenever I shot this doe and went to retrieve her, those triplets were standing right back about 40 yards away in the woods watching me. And then I saw the cut on, that her on the back of her leg. And I'm like, wow, I got that is the same deer. And I did uh, hit her because she reacted to the shot the first time. I'm like, I pinwheeled her. Uh, surely. I mean, the, my arrow's line of flight looked dead on, but it was starting to get dark in the woods. And I just couldn't tell. And, uh, but she reacted to the shot, ran and everything. But I'm like, there's no blood. There's no hair. There's no nothing. But I I clipped the back of her leg just enough to you know probably scared the bejesus out of her and but yeah. uh, but no as far as seeing them I guess it didn't it, it really didn't bother me a whole oh, lot because not only that the, you're cold blooded you're a family man yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I looked at there's three of them and I ended up seeing about a month later I saw the same three marching yeah. out across the field still hanging together yeah so, yeah yeah. Yeah. I've I've when I've done that one uh, one or I think one other time I felt a lot worse because she just had one. 
with her. Mm-hmm. And I felt a little bit worse about that one by the time it's all said and done because, yeah, she didn't, she didn't have no partners in crime to maybe stick around and be able to spot for predators or whatever, you know. Yeah. But – but no, I had a great season. I really did. I, I I feel blessed any season to be able to be out there. But uh, but yeah, I was full of misses too. Man, yeah, I uh, I didn't have a great year. I shot some does. I passed up a ton of bucks. Uh, but I enjoyed the heck out of it. Like you, God, I still seem to like it more every year. You passed up a bunch of bucks. What's up with that? Well, (laughs) I got two, I got two good bucks in the last five years. Okay. Well, good for me is like one forties, you know, I haven't shot a deer one forty yet. So, (laughs) and so now I'm trying to, if I, as, as long as I got enough meat, which is always my first priority, I Mm -hmm. eat game meat. That's my that's my food. Yeah. Uh, as long as I have enough game meat, that I, when it comes to deer, I'm like I'm personal best or, or, or nothing was my thing mm-hmm. this year. So and that all that stuff always torments me. Like, what's my? I'll be sitting there in my blind, and I don't even know what my goal is. You know, and it, mm-hmm. and I'm, it's almost like I got to write it down at the beginning of the season. Like, I'll shoot a four point. I'll shoot a raghorn or I won't. And just, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, instead it's the animal is coming in and I'm still trying to decide if I'm going to shoot it or not. So if, I, I just black out and let her eat. That's usually what ends up happening. <laughs> like I'm not going to shoot a young buck. I'm not going to shoot a young buck. I just shot a young buck. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, that's how it usually ends up going for me. And then I get to listen to people tell me I should have let them grow, be 25 years old or whatever. Right. Right. No. And I'm not one of those that at all, obviously. But, uh, no, I, I love whitetails, man, and that's and that can kind of segue. They're into, so cool. Uh, I guess that'd be a good segue. I mean, I uh, I love it enough. I actually just told someone the other day because I've I've wanted to make plans to go out west, right? You know, to give that whole thing a shot. But um, upon uh, moral dilemmas and and everything else, and elk would be the main thing that I would even care to give my, to give my shot at, especially with a stick bow. Um, but I, I don't feel like contributing to the issue for one uh, of guys like me from the East going out West to hunt. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I encourage you to, if there's something you want to do that, that's, you know, I I hope you don't think that I don't have an in-state preference kind of stance at all. You know, no, what mostly what it boils down to is just I pay just enough attention to it. Like my buddy, he went to a primo unit. It's the first time getting to go elk hunting. He went and he's put in the points and he got to go to a primo unit in Montana, um, which I won't say where that was. <laughs> um, so, but his whole units or his whole hunt completely sucked wind because of other hunters. No, oh. and um. And they saw a lot of good elk, but it never even got a prayer 
mm. uh, because of other hunters, dudes on dirt bikes, dudes coming in and trucks and four wheelers from upwind. Oh, geez. you know, and stuff like that. It was crazy stuff. And this was a, like a sought after unit, especially for archery elk. Okay. Um, and, uh, so, and then him telling me those experiences, everything, I'm like, man, like that pretty much solidifies my resolve. Cause I've thought about the whole Colorado OTC thing. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's, uh, that's no more better than just a thought really truthfully, if you want to have any type of real chance. But if I really wanted to do something like that, any unit worth hunting is going to be a 10 point unit to get to a unit where elk actually act like elk, uh, mm. That's going to be, that's going to be a 10 or 12 point unit. And then by the time 10 or 12 years come, the unit, the dynamics of that unit and the landscape could completely have changed by then. Yeah. Uh, in that amount of time. I mean, they could be hunted out. It could be, you know, winter killed. It could be anything, you know, uh, or, or like what, uh, the other people that I know personally are dealing with now is uh, point creep. <laughs> right. A 10 year unit becomes a 15 year unit by the time you know, I'm getting to the point where I might be getting close and yeah, you know, yeah, what the, so, you know what the solution to all that is. I do. Absolutely. And uh, we got to get into that. We got to recruit more hunters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll take care of all that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start telling that. So yeah, matter of fact, I think it would do everybody, it'd do everybody some good if I just blabbed out where all these good elk spots were in Montana. You know, I think that would really improve the, uh, not only the herd dynamics, but it proved the landscape as well. <laughs> um, when you get when you give a shitty hunting report about a, a like you get you you uh, tell a, a bad uh, story of a bad experience, then it should be okay to say where it was. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, but uh, no, it's still it's still a good unit, Primo unit. I think he still wants to go give it another try. No. But, uh, um he's he is one of those things, and that's the other thing, man. It's like all these areas where elk just don't even act like elk anymore. And, uh, the hunting pressure is getting as bad as it is to, to quote, uh, Snyder, <laughs> uh, ninja on every ridge, um, just about <laughs> anymore. Um, where, did, uh, where did he say that? I think it was Arizona. Oh, he went on a hunt deer hunt in Arizona. And he said, that's the only place I've ever hunted where I felt bad for the deer. Oh, Jeez. He said there was a ninja on every ridge trying to kill those things. Uh, um, and you can imagine the places he's hunting. It probably wasn't a trash hunting spot either. No, no. Um, no. And, uh, but anyway, no, he, I think there's, isn't there probably percentages out there? Like you're going to be, you know, X amount of trips in probably for most guys before you finally kill an elk, probably two or three trips before you finally kill an elk. For I, I went nine years when I moved, first moved to Montana. Wow. Yeah. Hunting 20, like, like hunting 10 to 20 days a year. Mm -hmm. uh, now I, I shoot one every year, every other year with my bow usually, but, uh, it just took me forever to figure it out. And that's the thing. I don't, for Ever. one, as a small family, man, I don't have the financial, I don't have the money to do, do what it takes to say the word elk and go out West. Um, as far as the getting there, the, you know, I just don't have, I, I'm sure anybody that really wants to do something has the money, but as far as I'm concerned, trying to be a responsible, you know, father of a young family, I don't have the means to go and do that mm -hmm. uh, and to go be gone to do that. And, um, and I always like hunting where I live. Yeah, me too. 
You know, like uh, if I lived where you did and I could find, and it sounds like you're finding some deer, mm-hmm. I, I probably wouldn't want to. I mean, I'm not, people need to do what they're, I'm not like telling people, encouraging or them discouraging them from traveling to hunt, do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But personally, I just have always been captivated by the hunting where I lived. Yeah. You know, because that's what your area has to offer, you know? Yeah. And like for me, I, uh, this, whitetails is truthfully all that i know turkeys and eastern turkeys and whitetails and i'm a pretty honest with myself individual it's not you know because i talk down on something because that i've never been able to try i would love to do it still uh to get to hunt elk one day with a with a bow but uh i i could honestly say that i could die pretty happy and content with all i ever got to hunt was whitetails all my life because whitetails is they just i don't know they i love them they're just oh. uh they're incredible, incredible creatures, and I, I love watching them. Love watching their behavior, and they're near all I think about until I get to go get after them again. I'd probably be happier if that's all. I, if, I, if that's all I could hunt, I could sell my llamas. I could sell my horse trailer. Yeah. Uh, I could not have to travel as far. Just be more relaxing. You know, right. But like, because that other crap is out there that I, I feel compelled, like I have to go do it. But I guess that's why I use that as a segue point into other things that I'm, that I'm sure that uh, we both like to get into. Um, yeah. Tell me what's going on in Missouri and what the challenges are and what you're seeing from that, that bears on like the, that the hunt quietly agenda bears on. Or- right. Well, that's, that's why I said it'd be a good segue point is, uh, I myself feel, and I wish more people would start to take this stance too. Um, and a lot of it is because of me, uh, influence from social media, because that's what they do, right? They're influencers uh, of just being true to yourself. You don't have to be somebody that you're not. Um, and it's okay to be content. And again, I'm not saying this just because I um, don't, I'm not, you know, welling with good financial backing to go do these things and just, you know, can't do them right now. It's just because I, I, my, I feel like personally, my heart's in the right place for me. I can sleep good at night on that, but, uh, I'm content here doing this. I don't have to go contribute to the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, you know, overcrowding in the West because I mean, yeah, we have overcrowding issues here, but I mean, the West is freaking wild right now the overcrowding issues. It's, it's really sad. I mean, the future of my kids being able to hunt out there is looking awful bleak. And that's, that's pretty sad, you know, uh, like, especially unlike anybody else, you know, you grew up reading the stories and, and seeing, you know, the stuff about, you know, people going heading West, you know, we talked about Theodore Roosevelt earlier, you know, all Theodore Roosevelt's hunting stories from his ranch in the Badlands and, um, and all that but uh it's just people need to start being honest with themselves and have more conversations with themselves when it comes to this particular issue on whether or not they're going to do it because it's a thing to do or if they're going to do it because maybe it more so it would mean it's something they've always wanted to do right uh, or you know um and if they are content where they're at you know with with what they've got and i think i think that boils down to it too some to what the heart of man and whether or not you're being actually content with where you are and what you've got but yeah yeah there's a lot to that could be unpacked there and you, you know 
I there's this guy that one time when I was a kid, he was a he was like a bit of a mentor to me. He said that there's two ways to be blessed. You could be blessed with lots of resources, or you can be blessed with cheap taste. Yeah. You know? I could yeah. I think I think I'm the latter. I don't have expensive tastes. Mm-hmm. I ended up here where I live and, and yeah, I hunt elk and antelope and deer. Uh, but if I lived where you lived, I know I would be happy hunting whitetail deer and turkey. And that would be what preoccupied my mind. And I wouldn't need anything more than that, you know? So yeah, it, it just, yeah, the, all the whole, the whole media thing, it just, that's what drives it. It creates lust creates this lust for things that you had haven't you know people haven't experienced or whatever and i'll use a prime example for that too my one dream like i i could be i could be happy on this one if if, if i only got to do it once and that would be a moose with with my bow oh that that's the one that i could I won't. Well, I mean, I couldn't, can't say I'd ever hang up my bow, but uh, that's that's the one. You know, if you want to say the one you can hang your bow up on, a, a you know, a chance to go hunt a moose with my with my recurve. That would be like past elk, past any other animal. Moose just can captivate me in some way. I don't know what it is about them. I just think they're an incredible animal. You should um, go to Alaska and get one. Sydney, I were going back and forth. We're like, yeah, you should just be content and hunt your own yeah, place and yeah, don't compare yourself to others. Yeah. And then now but you're like, well, I want a moose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on moose. It's because I want to skip past all that little stuff and go straight to the moose. There's but, places uh, in, in Alaska where you can hunt for moose with your bow off the road network, I think. Yeah. I know there are. But, man, then you got to get them stinking things home somehow. That's the yeah. that's the deal right there, man. I bet the I bet getting the meat home would cost more than the hunt. It'd be what like eight or nine fifty pound fish boxes. <laughs> yeah, it it'd be something crazy. Yeah, um, it would be. You'd want to go with a few people, and then you'd be like, "Okay, guys, one of us is going to shoot a moose." Yeah, <laughs> because the baggage goes up. It's like the first bag's forty bucks, the second bag is a hundred bucks, and then after that they're all two fifty or something like that. I don't know. The numbers I just cited are wrong, but it's it's a, yeah. it's a sliding scale like that. I know because I go to a, I go to Alaska every summer to fish. My family mm-hmm. owns a cabin up there, and uh, yeah, like the, first, the, the with every additional box up to some point, they're more expensive. Yeah. Uh, I, so if I was to do it, I'd probably be looking at the Canada thing, probably. Um, mm. I, I don't I don't know what other way because I'd have to drive there again. I don't know that I'll ever have the financial means to be able to do that anyway in my lifetime. But uh, I know for one thing's for sure, I won't draw a Shiras moose tag in my lifetime. So I'm not even going to try that one. Is that, uh, for, I, I know it would be tough in Montana. It's tough everywhere. Uh, oh, a trash unit in idaho where you can't see you know 50 yards and some of that timber um you could get one of those in you know a few years or something like that potentially but anywhere else i mean it's like two thousand five thousand applicants one tag given mm-hmm. i mean it's your odds of drawing a shirus moose tag in the lower 48 is yeah yeah uh, 
it's it seems to me pretty bleak yeah but uh i moved here in 1997 and i drew moose sheep and goat within the first five years i lived here shoo those were the good days huh yeah i guess yeah <laughs> definitely i get yeah yeah you couldn't do that anymore no way in hell but uh but no you mentioned stuff going on here we can get into that now um I want to talk about, I'm just trying to think about this loose thing. Oh, yeah, that's still stuck on the moose. Well, here's what we can do. Here's what we can do. Here's what we can do. You could store it. I have a brother that lives in Anchorage. Mm -hmm. You could take home. I don't really advocate this normally. Take home of it as much of it as you can. And he's got a network of friends that love moose meat. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. You could do something like that. Because that's the. I'm a, thing. not a big fan of like. I know. I just, yeah, I know what you mean of the, just the shooting it and passing, knowing you're going to be passing it all off, sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah, but and that's that's where I would struggle because, again, if I didn't get to hunt whitetails even for a year. I would feel like my legs were cut out from under me. That, that would that would gut my soul to not get to go hunt whitetails for a year, and I would have a a bit of a moral struggle to go try to hunt and shoot and kill anything with that many hundreds of pounds of meat in yeah. my freezer. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, so you'd be <laughs> so, like, I can't go shoot. Yeah, oh, yeah. You just need yeah. to put that behind you, man. Yeah, put so, that trust you. me, I am. I'm trying to. But, uh, um, but no, um, like I said, as far as stuff that definitely pertains to the hunt quietly movement, uh, first and foremost, I want to say, um, I am on board with what you guys are trying to do. Um, and somebody needed to say it. Uh, I never really gave it much thought until I kind of turned over a new leaf really with hunting. I would say in tw like around COVID, like the 2019, 2020 thing. And I'll tell you who's responsible for that. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, for one, just, you know, maturing, but, um, uh, Donnie Vincent, um, I don't know how often you look into his stuff or, uh, he gets brought up very often, but his approach to, to hunting and his outlook towards respect towards the animals, um, that that's I never really had anybody inject that mindset and that thought process in front of me. Um, and I would say out of everybody, if you want to say that's either in the, in the industry, which I would even hardly call him in the industry because he really doesn't do much. Um, uh, you, you yeah, see what is his story? I mean, I, I know who he is and I know he's a famous hunter, but yeah, what does he have? A, he has a show, doesn't have a show. No. He doesn't. Uh, he he has a filming company called Sick Manta, and they do filming projects for other people. Uh, like they did some work for, um, oh, dad gummit, uh, Shields. Okay. Uh, they like they filmed a commercial for Shields, sort of a thing. They do like filming contracts and stuff like that. Um, but he. he even like he went and uh, shot a, a got the opportunity to to go on a hunt for moose in Maine, um, which I, I think I mean I think it was a 
fair square deal. It was a draw uh, thing. And um, are you familiar with uh, Hal Blood? Mm-mm. Um, he's a main guide, a big main guide. He's famous for Big Woods tracking bucks. Oh, okay. um, he's one of like the pioneers of like, you know, snow tracking bucks in the big woods. And yeah, and I wouldn't even have known what that was two years ago. Um, but I, I, I've, heard, I've learned a lot from doing this podcast. And now I'm familiar with that. It sounds like a just a very challenging but rewarding way to hunt. Right. And he got, I, I, I don't know how it worked out. If it's just some, I'm sure knowing Donnie, it's probably someone that he looks up to that he wanted to do it if he had the opportunity to. But uh, he, uh, did that moose hunt with Hal Blood, um, and Hal went and called for him and uh, helped guide him on this moose hunt, um, and shot a nice bull. But the only thing they they turned that whole hunt into, you didn't see the shot, you didn't see the kill, you didn't see the nothing. You just saw a moose, you saw it black out, you heard a gunshot, and then it shows Donnie sitting there with his with his moose and just admiring it or whatever. And it was like a five minute video. And that was the extent of the whole thing. Yeah, he he's not big on filming. I don't think on filming his stuff. Okay. Um, but just his his approach towards the animals, he puts a very high emphasis on respect towards the wildlife. And his the the guy he has even goes gone so far as to say that he almost aligns in some ways more with anti hunters than he does hunters. Yeah, I've said that myself as well. And, um, and I, I understand where he's coming from, uh, hundred percent. And, uh, and that drives a lot of the way that he conducts himself. Uh, I mean, I, I, and he said it and I truly, be- I truly believe the guy that he's borderline remorseful every time he pulls the trigger on something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have and, to walk uh, that back a little bit. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even close to being anti-hunter. I hunt 60 yeah. days a year, but. Some of the shit I see makes me, I'd rather that the, I'd rather that the antis won than the influencers won. Yeah, no, I, I understand where you come from. I think your audience does too. I, I really mean that, um, from the, uh, from just the, as many of the, your podcasts as I've listened to, uh, I would like to hope that people, if they're listening to enough of your podcast are getting exactly the message that you guys are trying to portray. And I don't want to wear all this misconception stuff seems to come from. They're obviously picking and choosing what they're listening to that you put mm-hmm. out there. But, um, yeah. but no, he definitely changed watching him and listening to his podcast and going down the Donnie Benson rabbit hole turned a new leaf for me in hunting. And it, oh. opened, my, it opened my eyes to a lot of stuff I didn't pay much attention to before um oh that's a cool lot, a lot more focus on ethics okay um a lot more focus on respect for the animal and not only that but uh what um I, what is disrespectful and respectful to the animal why why respect the animal why show it give it any you know um a lot of that stuff changed after being you know being introduced to his content and seeing his content and like uh, he did a caribou hunt on uh, uh one of those islands and around the Alaska uh, it's the one that has the old abandoned ADAC um it's uh he has that hunt is on YouTube it's called Winds of ADAC um and he's a, I mean he's a he's a he puts together cinema I mean he makes hunt of a, a movie basically he doesn't do just like a twenty minute hunt it's a movie so it's Tons of before, prelude, um, after stuff and everything. Um, kind of reminds you of like an old Fred, Bear, old Fred Bear film. Yeah. 
and on his way in from the boat to go after this caribou, there's a young bull. You'll have to watch it. It's, it. It really is a good film. It's well put together and it's and it's tasteful. That's the other thing that I think is is important to point out. But on his way to putter in on the uh, the little skiff to hit the shore and to go put a stalk on this bull, there's a young bull on the shoreline with its head caught in um, rope, a big wad of old, you know, I don't know if it's old, like crab trap rope or whatever it was. But, oh, you know, there's rope, rope everywhere up there. Yeah. I could, and I guess that, that little bull, picture then, that. So he'd been trying to maybe spar with it or something like that and rub his antlers on it. And he was all, you know, jacked up in this rope and he stopped his hunt to cut that bull, that little bull out of that rope while it's sitting there wheeling its antlers all over the place. And they're trying to hold on to this thing. And he, they cut this thing free and sat there and watch it roll on. And then they proceed, he proceeds to go about his hunt. And, uh, and just, I had never seen people show those things before. You know, it's always the, the five minute snippet of, I see the animal, I go kill the animal and I'm the hero. But you're hunting geese on the river this year. And this year and last year, there's all kinds of sick geese. I don't know what it is. That avian flu stuff seems to be Yeah, I think that's probably what it is. That's what everybody I talk to thinks. But the thing is, sometimes there's a lot of geese around. Once in a while. Not very often. And it's in these periods, real short periods, where there's the hundreds of thousands of them. So then you're like, well... With that many around, some of them were just bound to be sick. Yeah. You know what local? I mean? Are they local? No, 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 no. Oh, really? They're not lo- no, they're not local. No. Because uh, so you guys are probably in a migration corridor, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Or a fly zone. But we, we both years, we start out euthanizing them, but then it just gets too, there's just too many. Too yeah. many. Uh, this year, they get they get cognitively impaired mm-hmm. they're so sick they come and swim into your decoys really yeah and then <laughs> you'll dr- drop a, a goose or a duck go out to get it and they'll just sit there and stare at you Eesh. yeah you know something's wrong then them suckers for as big a bird as they are they are skittish incredibly skittish when they're healthy they don't you don't have yeah. much grace on a healthy canadian goose man no Canada. Huh? Canada. What did I say? Canadian. Oh, a Canada goose. <laughs> a Canada I just, I'm just giving you shit. People call it, you know what can, can, Canada thistle is? Uh-uh. It's a, it's a I non-native. I know what Russian thistle is, but. Yeah. It's a non-native weed. It's not even native to Canada, but people always <laughs> call it Canadian thistle. <laughs> Canadian thistle. Yeah. I'm just giving you shit. Uh. Okay, so, yeah, this guy sounds like, I mean, I don't like any of this hunting media myself, but it sounds like he's uh, pretty good in terms of showing respect and all that, you know. I like people to work on access, mm-hmm. you know. When is there going to be a guy, instead of he's showing us how to hunt right and with dignity and being respectful and all that, when is there going to be a show about a dude that just goes around working on access? Dad, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where the mindset of all of this has even come from as far as the, I mean, you know, it's from hunting television 
you know it's inspired from social media, but certainly I, I would say that the the big you know who the people that set the nails in the coffin was the sportsman's channel, the outdoors channel, whenever before all this YouTube and really heavy influencer stuff started. Um, of the you know this this show is brought to you by <laughs> blah 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 oh, blah God. right. Um, yeah. Do you remember like maybe it's still this way? I used to watch the Sportsman Channel and Outdoor Channel when I would stay in motel and motels because I don't have never had cable TV at home. Do you remember that there would be like the ticker tape running underneath the bottom of the screen with all the products that were being used at that moment in time? Oh, I never paid attention to that. No. Yeah, or it would be up in the corner of the screen. It would be every clothing item every gear item listed throughout the there's entire still people show. that do that on youtube oh um, um like they'll yeah. put they'll throw a little snippet in up in the top corner like somewhere throughout the video like just while they're sitting there in the tree stand of like what their bow setup is or whatever oh my god yeah that yeah. shit drives me nuts are you anyway. like me and that even with all this you know cut i mean we're as far as some of this we probably won't you know have to get too heated on something just because we pretty well align on. Oh yeah, I bro. don't feel like challenging um, you, challenging well, anybody tonight. Well, no, I'm not in an avid serial mood tonight. Your room I'm, tells me that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my low <laughs> testosterone outfit. <laughs> the low T uh, attire, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but no. Um, uh, man, I don't even know where I was going with that. Where I'm just getting over the flu. I want to get along. Yeah, but know. no. Um, just yeah, just all the all the everything that's involved in that. I, I don't know where the the started this whole gobbling up. It, it seems like it. I mean, because it as far as around here, it kind of like it just happened like all of a sudden. Like oh, flip, tell me about that. A flip switched. Um, yeah, give me like. Okay, how old are you? 26. Okay, you started probably hunting when you were 12? No, I killed my first deer when I was six. And oh, my okay. First when I was eight. I've been as long as my yeah, dad. Yeah, tell me. me 20 years of Missouri. What have we seen? Well, um, access wise. Access wise. Just, and this is not only me, I've been very blessed. I will say that. Um, in, in the way that it's been a gift from a gift from God, 100% the opportunities that I've had as far as hunting is concerned, because I grew up in the country on a 20 acre piece of uh, piece of property that my mom and dad had. And um, so I and I was homeschooled all the way through. Uh, so I had gobs of opportunity to hunt like, you know, I mean, I could go hunt before school, after school. And so my opportunity to get out in the woods and hunt, I was extremely blessed in that way. And, um, I, I, I feel genuinely for the people that haven't had that opportunity. And I certainly realize what I, the opportunity that I had, but so I've had a lot of most opportunity to hunt on private land. I'll be totally transparent on that. Not big parcels. I've never had more than probably 60 acres that I could hunt on at any given time. But, uh, but, you know, just small little pieces of private, just owned by family, little tracks here and there is what I was, you know, been able to cut my teeth on, but I started hearing probably 
I would say around that, let's just make it even, 2010 is whenever I really started hearing and paying more attention to the whole leasing. You know, like, yeah, this, you know, like, um, like someone, this guy knows family farm, like, yeah, my grandpa, you know, he has these guys that come hunt from St. Louis and that was the extent of it. You know, I just knew there's some guys that came and hunted from St. Louis, you know, not the part that they leased that part of his property, just that they came and hunted from St. Louis. I'm like, huh? Like, yeah, I was kind of thought like, well, it's nice to let for someone to let someone come up and hunt, I guess, you know? Right. Um, right. But you weren't, you uh, but weren't then, getting the full picture. Yeah. And then the older I got, I started putting those pieces together of all those different certain situations. And it's like, yeah, these people like that, you know, obviously leasing, but then it just got started getting worse. Like, uh, the guy who's actually, I won't, I won't say names and stuff, but, um, he's the, our pastor now, but he was, and he was my youth pastor, uh, growing up, but he had a, like a whatever, couple hundred acre farm that he had been able to hunt on for 20 years. And then one day, oh <laughs> yeah, one day, uh, the homeowner or whoever, the landowner, whoever, let him know that they were going to be leasing. And I'm like, and then, and he told me that story, you know, sometime later and I'm like, man and i knew the deer that he killed he killed some nice deer out of there and uh that's just that's where he'd been hunting for a long time and then i come to find out that he lost it to leasing and i'm like mm. wow and uh but there's a lot of i know a lot of people with that story uh that what happened what, what, do you, what do you do after that uh little just little pieces here and there where people mm-hmm. just that he'd known for a long time would let him come hunt behind the house sort of a thing or right. whatever yeah uh which you know Thank goodness we live in Missouri, which is like the mecca of, you know, we're in this, as long as this tri-state area, we're like the mecca of whitetail deer hunting, right? I mean, there's deer crawling out of the woodwork. So you can, you can go hunt the few acres behind someone's house and probably eventually have a chance of shooting mm-hmm. something. But still. One I thing mean, nice about bow hunting is you only you know, you can hunt a little circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can have five thousand acres, but still you can only hunt a thirty yard circle around you. So, yeah. That's true. I mean that's making it pretty that's being pretty naive about it, but it's kind of you know, you don't need much, no. that's for sure. You know You don't, and it's totally true. Um, but yeah, that's he he's just one example of numerous people that I know that that's happened to. Yeah. And and then what really came to a head, and this is whenever my my feelings turned to more of like a, you know, like bad Ethan's ready to come out sort of a mm-hmm. thing, is um, a, a a show by the name of um, this rhymes with uh, Weary Brothers. <laughs> oh, the hunting TV show. Um, they, I, I don't. This the Drury. Can we say name? Yeah. Can yeah. We say name? Okay, yeah, let's let's let her. I shit talk um, people on almost every episode. Right, I'm trying to be respectful about things. No, I appreciate possible, it. But, I appreciate yeah, that. Um, I should be a little yeah. more dignified myself. But but the hey, Drury, what they they might be proud of what they've done. They should be. Yeah. If they're not proud of it, why say why why they do it? I yeah, I agree, hundred percent. So but, if you're uh, just factually saying what you've seen. That's you know. fair. I, I like the way you're looking at it better. Um, but yeah, the Drury's came down into this area 
Now, what um, are they? Are there there two dudes, or I I don't know. I don't follow these people. They they're an institution. Okay, so the way that these things work, it seems like that, like the Lakoskis, like Lee and Tiffany Lakoski, the Drury brothers. They they have so much. They they either buy up or lease up so much area to where they're able to produce this these quality of whitetails or um have places i guess to ultimately generate content from right that's really what it boils down to but um the just the money that's behind them i mean they're a name uh i guess it would be no different than you know anybody else that's just their name is their brand um but yeah i mean they're a whole brand right uh, mm-hmm. at this point um do they but, still make content? Yeah. Yep. The, they do. The two brothers. Mm-hmm, but though they have a lot of other people to hunt for them, kind of like Primos. Okay. So they have a Primo, revolving Primos cast videos. of characters. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, and a lot of them are similar faces, and every once in a while you see a new one trickle in, sort of a thing. Okay. But uh, they're the same people for the most part, year in year out, that have been with them for a long time, and you'll see someone new that's a contributor trickle in or whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. but no, they came down from they've owned a farm in Missouri for a long time, and then they hunt a lot in Iowa. But oh, I hate came, hunting as a business, man. I just hate <laughs> hunting as a business. It's right? such a oh, it's yeah. just such a kick in the crotch. But basically what happened, and again, I'm stating I'm just stating facts here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna down talk anybody. No, no, you're right. That's right. Let's keep they, it professional. They came Rain it in, Matt. Rain it they in. They came yeah, they came into our area, which uh, I try to be pretty vague on that sort of stuff because I have I'm a very private person, so as far as people knowing exactly where I live, um this even with YouTube, uh, people don't know exactly where I live. Um, but they came to my area and went to someone that uh, a landowner that uh, I have known for uh, many of much of my born life that goes to our church, asking him about leasing his property. Uh, and when I say them, I mean who, who, it may not have been them as representatives thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like he already leases, <laughs> but um, he already leases out as it is. Oh, uh, but it's like so could they, they could have offered him more money. Yeah, I hear about people getting their lease taken for. Yeah, bought out. And man, isn't that dirty? It's already leasing, and then someone else comes in and overdoes you. It's all dirty, but yeah, yeah. That's why I'm always saying it's just a pipe dream of mine. But I'm always saying it goes against the point to pay for it. You might as well just buy beef because if Mm -hmm. I could get somehow infect the hunting community with that mindset. It would be a game changer. Yeah. I, it's, it's not going to work, but it's like, no. that's the thrill. The thrill of getting a big one, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's a dream of the Midwest whitetail, right? The big old, sna- I call them in my house, the, the term is a big old snaggletooth buck. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's the, that's the one. But no, they came in the area and they basically, uh, they have conf- they went to a lot of people, knocked on a lot of doors, and the exact words that I was told, and this is just quoting, the exact words where I was that I was told was, "We're going to lease or buy whatever we can get our hands on," mm-hmm. and that just that very thing, just like, gosh, oh, that so, rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, man. it's so 
at to people that have that much already. Mm-hmm. And and for what I don't know, I don't know if they do property stuff now. I don't know. I yeah. Like as far as the, like the whitetail property sort of thing, maybe yeah. they broke into that. I don't know because I don't follow them like that. But did um, they did they end up getting any chunks in your neighborhood? your neck of the woods i never was able to follow up on that okay. i'm sure they did you know i'm sure they, they've got deep pocketbooks you know like mm. how could some people compete with that but um and then around here the other thing that aggravates me is you know i mean this it's is like probably take 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 i don't understand mm-hmm. how and then we and then people idolize them when all mm-hmm. they do they do nothing for the hunting community it's just take 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 right and uh, oh that, it's I'm this not the only one that's frustrated about it, you know, of people that I know that have found out about that. Uh, it's frustrated a lot of people that I know that have found out about that. How does anybody, oh, I just don't, this is why we're going to lose this because there's just too many stupid people. Um, like they, they get to be the, what, who we idolize people that just take you know, take land for themselves. I, I, yeah, I, I'll stop. But it just drives me nuts. That, and then we idolize them. And like, by proxy, someone young like me, I mean, the market's already bad enough. I mean, good grief. Uh, the, the post-COVID, the interest rates and everything. But, I mean, I'm I'm very grateful that we live on a family farm and I'm able to live in the you know my grandparents' house that, that I've spent a lot of my childhood in. Um, and get to raise my family here. But as far as the dream of being able to have, you know, just go buy property in my name and Ethan Page's name and build a house on it. Uh, I mean, I don't, I I won't spend a lot of time talking about property values Mm -hmm. around here. I mean, it's, yeah. And anything, anything that does come up gets bought like that from somebody or from the big city. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, how St. much Lewis of this is, is hunting related and how much of it is would be that way if if white tail I think, it, well, I think I, from I, a tremendous amount of it's recreational I think most okay. of it's recreational property is what it's being bought for okay and then a business owner that I know locally um he bought I mean it, he's a businessman so I mean if if hunting doesn't mean certain things to you then who knows maybe you or I would have the same mindset but um, we would. Don't you yeah. think if it wasn't our passion, if it wasn't something that was spiritual, like to us in some way, we'd mm-hmm. have, we, we'd think of it as a commodity, just like they do. You know, he bought a 500 acre farm in our County, just a few miles away solely for leasing mm. to generate money off of through leasing it. And okay. I heard the number of the people that those guys, I mean, the, the number is you could go, you could go hit up just nearly any outfitter for an elk for what these guys pay a year for the, for that lease. Now, granted, you know, wait, as far you, as wait, I'm, not, I'm not getting the equivalents here of uh, the like uh, nine, $10,000. Oh, they're wait. You're okay. But you're not saying. I don't think you're saying that they lease a 500 acre farm for 10,000 a year, or is that what you're saying? That seems yep. cheap. Yeah, but not to me. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Maybe no. in the scheme of but things. You, yeah, you but you hunt I mean, 20 acre chunk. That's like, 
that's like uh, 25 20 acre chunks. And this is per individual, I think. Like, oh, how uh, many I think people? Uh, that I don't know. Oh, okay. But, if I it's mean, per individual, then, then that's a, a, yeah. That a is, 500 acre cherry lease. I like I like the term you use, cherry lease. I, I've been using that one myself. That's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty accurate. A 500 acre cherry lease where I live in Missouri. I mean, yeah, you've got it pretty dag on. Yeah, yeah, you got it good. Uh, I'm not. I mean, I'm I'm not. I'm not butt hurt about it. I mean, I know what they've got. Oh, that is got. a I mean, ton but, I mean, of land in that, the Midwest. If you have 500 acres to yourself to manage it the way you see fit, there's no reason for you not to produce like these guys on the television shows do. You know, I mean, a uh, uh, 500 acres, I mean, you're going to have deer that will spend their entire right. lifetime on that property. You know, so. Uh, I wish another thing that would happen, like, so, yeah, it's not going it, it to, it, it could catch on a little bit. Lo- that there's okay now i'm getting there's so many things going on in my head one of them is what is the point if you're paying you could have bought beef for that and you said the thrill is still there mm-hmm. right and that's yeah. true that's all but then like it's, gotta be. it's it, okay if it's Egos. the thrill if it yes that's that's where i was going the thrill's fine Okay, but don't act like it's an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. You locked everybody else out. You greedily locked everybody else out so you could shoot a big one. So don't just don't put it on social media and act like you're the 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 mighty hunter. Would yeah. be a, another thing. Mm-hmm. But they do, so they must think of it as a, it's almost like it's maybe they maybe part of it is. It's like a status symbol. Like I'm a high roller. I get, maybe the fact that the, so with some people, the fact that they shot it on a lease is a badge. It adds to it. Like I'm I, a baller. I'm like a. I could see that. You know, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, know. I. The mindset behind it, I don't understand. I mean, it's. Well, no, I do. I'm gonna take that back. It's buying your way to the top. Um, it's the, it's the now mentality. It's the buying your way to the top and putting your opportunity well ahead of others. Um, mm-hmm. the agreed, yeah, ego. I mean, I think it's a, it's a culmination of every, you know, of all those things. Cause I, I know, um, uh, one of my very dear friends, he, and he'll probably end up listening to this podcast. Uh, he, had and his dad had a, an incredible farm to hunt right across the river from me uh for a long time and same thing mm. ended up going to uh, going to leasing and it's since it's actually i think it got leased but it's since the both him and his wife have passed away and it's and some of the farm has been broke up and sold okay um but uh and that was the same story initially you know they other people moved in and they had to go um, but ju- just the, yeah, the, they now don't have, and he's, and he's kept my interest. I mean, as far as someone that I've looked, as far as a friend that's like 
this guy's, you know, world revolves around hunting, um, specifically bow hunting uh, that this particular friend is certainly that, but, uh, he doesn't have, but now two little parcels of land that he can hunt on from what he originally had, you know, for a long time. And he's he born little, and raised there. Yeah. Yeah. And cut his teeth there. And he now has a little piece and this guy's property and a little piece on this guy's property. And it's both people that they've known for a long, long time that just let him, they let him come hunt sort of thing. So he doesn't, he doesn't have quality opportunity to hunt like he used to, you know, either he's been displaced. I'll even go so far as to say that. What would it, what would, if I would, let's say I just pulled up stakes and moved to your, you said northeast, mm-hmm. right? Northeast Missouri. Yep. What would I just have no chance of hanging my tree stand somewhere? Or is there a wildlife management area or something where I might? We go? do, and we can. I want to shift into that too. There's there's a lot of public. Um, oh. I, in my eyes, there's there's quite a bit of public opportunity, and I guess I'll throw enough bones, sort of, kind of where I live that. Um, uh, a one large um lake uh around near me that's got a property around it a lot of people come and hunt around it that's no secret but um and i could go put a tree stand out there and scratch up a couple does if i worked hard yeah no oh, well, yeah that's all right that's good good to know yeah the good opportunity is there uh, on pub for public hunting and that's mostly what he has to, left to do now okay he's been displaced he's been displaced to the point he basically uh, hunts public most of the time does he find it um, rewarding he does but uh, he's not killed anything oh he um, hasn't oh was he mm-hmm. passing up on these two does that i would shoot he hasn't passed up on those really uh it'll be just just a deer opportunity in general um he does, but he does. He is the guy, and he know. And like I said, if he listens to this, he, he already knows how we each, you know, approach things. But he will, he will pass up on, you know, a, a lot of deer that I. Oh, will, okay. So he's not black. No. Okay. He'll pass up on a lot of deer, but that I would black out and and, and shoot <laughs> in a heartbeat. Um, but um, or at least launch a few arrows at right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, this year yeah um but um but no he and his mindset behind it i understand and it's how everybody you know everybody's approach hunting is different he would like to have the opportunity to hunt and kill a mature buck as would most people an opportunity to, to for them to just be there if to, to know and he's even said this just to know he's like i don't i guess they're not here you know because like i the the for them to be there to be available to know that if I don't shoot this deer, I should have at least one opportunity if I, and I better make it count to take a shot at a mature buck at some point throughout this season. Mm-hmm. And well, how was he defined as a mature buck? I mean, like four, a year, four years old, four years old. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so he'll pass up. You know, uh, I don't know. Uh, right now, I don't know how, what if he'd pass up a three-year-old buck or not, three-and-a-half-year-old buck or not. But, uh, uh, I mean, a two-and-a-half-year-old gets a complete pass. Um, mm. I don't give him a complete pass. <laughs> not, with, <laughs> not, not with a bow. With a bow, I will shoot a two-and-a-half-year-old buck all day long. With a rifle, I struggle to shoot 
does struggle to shoot young deer, but anymore, but no, uh, but though, yeah, I mean some two and a half year old bucks here and there, but uh, yeah, as far as holding out for a mature animal, the opportunity just isn't there. Mm -hmm. And, and that I think kind of segues into the other big point that I wanted to make is, um, the hunting public. Oh, well, Um, we got to talk about two things. We're trying to keep these two hours and we're, we got, we got 35 minutes left. I mean, it's not strict. Like if you talk mm-hmm. to drop a bombshell at me at minute one fifty nine. Well, I'm kind of a talker, so feel free to shut. Tell me uh, to shut up. But we got to talk about it. crossbows a little bit too, because that was something that we brought up in our initial discussion. Yes, please. Yeah. So, but yeah, hunting yeah. public. Um. Yeah the the hunting public has made a genuine, um, and and when I say genuine, I mean a a, a traceable noticeable impact on the public land hunting around me. Um, I would say anywhere in the Midwest, uh, I've had people comment on my videos, um, and comment on stuff online that I followed or, you know, keyed in on or whatever that it's, it's forever impacted public land hunting in the Midwest. But, and the, and the big thing with that, and it's, it's, it's so traceable that, I notice it because I still turkey hunt a lot on public land because I don't really have but maybe one decent spot to turkey hunt this private property. And I I'm I think because of someone that leases the next door property now uh, as of this year, I think I'm not so sure how that's going to go this spring. That's yet to be determined. But um, you, I mean, you might public. you might lose it or he well, might that person might blast I get, out of there. Uh, that's what I'm worried about. I, mm. I know where the turkeys are. And it's on the property line, and that's on the private that I hunt on. That's where they are. Okay. You know, they're either going to go over there, or they're going to pitch down over there and come over here, sort of thing, or they're going to come straight down to me off of a bluff, um, off of a big ridge. So, and that's just kind of where they're at. Uh, so, unless they're further on down, you know, sort of thing. But anyway, um, but yeah. Uh, so I still turkey on a lot of public land. I started noticing that. Um, definitely a couple years ago um mm-hmm. and i haven't i haven't tur- tried to turkey on on public land really since um yeah so those guys the, those guys drive me nuts man they drive and, me nuts but anyway and uh, again with tr- you know as far as the the trying to be respectful thing and uh, uh because this is it's not just around here anyway i know a lot of people personally that are like yeah it's it's not the same since they started doing that it's not the same it's there's more pressure now how many times um, have they been in your zone? They are regularly in my zone. That lake that I told you about, that's very close to me. They, that When they come to Missouri, that's where they hunt. Okay. So within my tri-county area. Okay. Um, so uh, certainly an impact here, but uh, other people I've talked to all, everywhere around the, around the Midwest uh, mm-hmm. have seen the impact. Um and uh, seen it in negative ways, as we've talked about, as far as crowding. The crowding has become an issue because of that, and the pressure has become an issue because of that. You know, you see boot tracks all the way back in, and you didn't used to see boot tracks all the way back in anymore, or, uh, you know, a few years back. And, and again, so it's, they're everybody's favorite, everybody's hero, and everybody, like, I just, oh, I don't get it. How you can destroy people's hunting's, hunting in, in the, and be lauded for it. It just, oh, I get so frustrated with this man. I just get so frustrated. Like, it's like they can, the, hunting is so important to people, you know? 
And, yeah. and I don't understand how a group like that that's just trying to make money and get famous can come in and, and compromise somebody's hunt for the rest of their life. And then they're like heroes for it. I just don't get it. But anyway, I th- carry on, carry on. And I think that's where I say I've got to, I still, when people, I think, and it's been said on your show before too, when people are doing something right, need mm. to give the credit where credit's due. Also. And I don't do enough of that. So, And I think uh, above anybody else, I will throw them a bone on the fact that they, they certainly don't seem to be bought, paid for, sold as far as sponsorships and stuff like that. Like you don't, they're not a bunch of Sitka clad individuals with the nicest Matthews bows and yada, you know, we won't have to go. Yeah. They don't Google have day jobs, do they? That's the, that's the thing. And that's what I think is. So what do you like, mean? <laughs> so you're saying they do or don't? No, they, I don't think they do. I think no, this I is their, that I is their they, job. I wish they'd go get one. But, but it's like, gosh, it's like, I think were you, you were on the Hunter podcast or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was mentioned on there of talking about them whenever you were on there, maybe, or it was someone else was on there, but uh, as far as they're concerned. But it's like, you look at how they have to live to do that show. Oh, I think the, the host, the whole, I can't remember, the, it, Jeremy is. And yeah, so, something yeah. I don't know. I but, think yeah. they were the ones that tell me that they that they but live. They live together, to and yeah, they drive old vehicles, and it's like I commend you for trying to make it ends meet to probably do what you love. I understand that, um, but like, man, you're strapping yourself <laughs> for no for very little return. You're, not, you're yeah, to be yeah. able to do, just to be able you're, to do it. You're living poor in order to screw up everyone's hunting. And I think the point that, yeah, but I think the point that they've tried to drive home, and this is where I got to give credit where credit's due, is that you don't have to have the nice camo. Do you see, I mean, half the time they're wearing, I like, it seems like half the episodes they're wearing, you know, like tattered clothes, like whole clothes with rips in them. And like, I see it. He he wears like army surplus pants all the time. Like that's his go-to. His old army, there's like old, like goodwill finds and stuff like that. No, like I'm that. And they that. stress the fact that you don't have to have a lot of money to get into this sort of a thing. Like, cause, cause on the flip side, the industry makes it sound like it's a rich man's sport. You got to buy the Sitka. You got to have the nicest bow or you ain't going to kill nothing. No, and I'll so, give them credit for that. For them to come to the flip side, as far as the industry is concerned, the machine is concerned and say, like, we are like we drive old via beater vehicles and and we don't wear matching camo and of all the and this is and something else I got I guess I gotta point out too, like of all the bow companies that I'm sure with their following that they could get free bows from, if that's how that works, I don't know. Yeah. They use bow they use barrier archery equipment. Well, I mean, yeah. they're obviously so they getting a, money from the hunting industry in some way, shape, or form, because that's the only way they could generate revenue, right? Yeah, but they, I'm saying that I'm sure they could have any bow company at their feet. Okay. They, they could get Hoyt bows, Matthews bows, yeah. or whatever, but they shoot. Matter of fact, they shoot like bear ready to hunt bows, like the, with the trophy ridge accessories, not the nicest accessories or anything. Mm. You know, regular old adjustable pin sights and stuff like that. A lot, several of them still shoot like very basic bear archery compounds. 
Yeah, and, they, uh, it sounds like and, they have as, about as much integrity as you can have while hunting with a camera strapped to your forehead or somebody walking. Ba- basically, yeah, basically. So as far which as which is the not image, very much integrity in my mind. It's like just put the camera completely away. How about that? Yeah. So, but I guess at the end of the at the end of the day, the I guess, like I say, as far as giving credit for what they've done, good is they've definitely they polarized. They like got they went polar opposite from mainstream. Yeah, no, I, that's you great. Know? That's great. And so, and I think that's what makes them like everybody's hero in the sense that, like, for once, they're not a this person or a that person that only shoots you know these two hundred inch bucks. I mean, these guys shoot young bucks, little bucks all the time, mm. and it's like. Um, which, you know, whether or not that's for content or not, you know, uh, we, you know, that's, we both know why, you know, other people end up shooting animals ultimately, I think when it comes to that situation, because they got to have content. This but, is great. Like the Donnie Vincent part is great. The, the hunting public defense is great, but I still am of the mind that set that hunting celebrity is the biggest problem. Uh, I and agree. And I agree a hundred percent. So like we're, we're, we're we're like to me what this discussion is is taking a group of people that are categorically bad for hunting and figuring out who's the best of the bad ones yeah and 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 honestly if you agree or disagree that's that's i mean that's just i'm just trying to be clear about my, my take on it is like i think hunting would be better if they all went away and I am if right they there all with you. got a day job, you know, I and that's the thing. I, I, I won't, I won't put words in your mouth, say you are too, but I have my guilty pleasures <laughs> of I, oh man, I will binge some hunting videos. Oh, I don't, I don't get any <laughs> pleasure out of it at all. Really? No, um, but I have other hot, like, I have other things I like yeah. to, I like to read books. I like, mm-hmm. I like to, I, I listen to a lot of philosophy lectures on YouTube. I I watch a lot of UFC. I like you. Uh, I like uh, mixed martial arts. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's other things, but I just I think part I think the reason is because it's just gotten. Okay, I was never captivated by it. Never. Yeah. Even before I took a negative stance on hunting media, I was mm-hmm. never captivated by it. But I just don't want to be a unidimensional person. Every, mm-hmm. every, I, I think about hunting constantly and I do a shit load of it. Is it, and I'm like, so in addition to that, I'm just going to, when I'm not hunting, I'm going to watch some other bozo hunt on the computer. Yeah. No, like cultivate some other interests. And I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm any worse a hunter because I don't spend a thousand hours a year no. watching these bozos on, on YouTube. You know, I wish I didn't too. But I, I mean, I'll I'll call myself about guilty. I mean, guilty as charged of the fact that I probably I just probably dwell on hunting too much. So like, it, my wife, she's a saint because if I'm not hunting, I'm depressed, staring out the back door. Oh, <laughs> sort of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's it's it's that bad. Like I and. Yeah. A lot of it is not about the, it's not even about, the, you know, filling a tag or anything like that. I just, my, my you heart and soul, love it. Yeah. my heart, my heart and soul's in the woods. I, that's the place. I mean, I'm, and we won't get all woo woo, but I mean, I've gone through my dark spots and one real dark spot in particular. 
And so a piece of, or a place. I'm tempted to ask you to elaborate, but I'm not going to. Well, I mean, and I don't have a problem. I mean, with sharing my problems as far as that's concerned with the world, if it helps somebody else. I mean, I, I just fell in. I, for one, I was in the military uh, for six years. Um, I was an arm in the army as a medic uh, in a reserve capacity. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend I was some Navy SEAL, range, you know, Ranger sniper, CAG operator <laughs> or something sort of a thing. But uh, I did that whole thing. And then I had to trans, you know, I transitioned out or whatever I got out, but about the time I was transitioning out. Uh, so that was changing something that I really, I, I think deep down, I loved it, but circumstances made me hate it. Um, so I was getting out of that. There's that like, didn't... there's particulars with your unit that made you not like it. Leadership destroyed my experience with the military. Okay. Um, ultimately. It, yeah. And that happens a lot, even in the c- civilian. Oh, oh I, yeah. I've dealt you know. with it in the civilian world as anybody has. Yeah. But um, I genuinely, truly, and I still do because I do it on the side and I do side jobs to you know, help make ends meet or whatever. But uh, being a carpenter is something that I was born to do. I love, I love carpentry work. It comes natural to me. Um and uh, just, I just saw I'm good at, and you know, I just saw I'm good at that I drew to that I get to see, you know, my, you know, what I've accomplished at the end of the day. And that was kind of not working out for me any, anymore either. And I was because I worked for a not that great boss who I have no animosity towards. Um, but uh, we just weren't a good fit. Um, and it was one of those jobs. Um, I won't say that maybe you know you, maybe you've had that type of job, or I'm sure probably most people have. But just the like Sunday night, like laying in bed thinking about the next day, you know, about borderline anxiety attack, mm-hmm. and just like like about going into like depression, just thinking about the next day. The happiest guy I know, one of my very very be- very best friends, is he's so happy. And he works for Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, the Montana Fish and Wildlife Management Agency Mm -hmm. now, but he spent 12 years as a contractor. And what you just said mirrors so so closely what he said about that time, those 12 Mm -hmm. years. It sounds like I gather that can be a very stressful job. And it's a lot of it's just it's the physical side which i've had no problem working hard and you know as far as my life's concerned i started mowing lawns when i was eight and i've had some type of income ever since Mm -hmm. so like i've always had a drive to work and i like to work hard and it's just something i take pride in um but this the falling out of love with a lot of things all at once in my life and directions that I, I didn't go to college. So as far as I, I still don't know what I want to do with my life, I'll be frank. No, but, you got forever um, to figure you got yeah. 26. Oh, baby. Right. <laughs> oh I'm no, a, man. I'm, you don't seem like a baby at all. You seem like a well, grown ass man. I've got a gob of life experience packed into yeah. 26 years. And uh, it's because I'm driven. That's a lot of it. I just, I, I can't, I can't be content with anything. I'm a this to the, that to the, that the sort of a person, but just everything was reeling in on me all at once. And the things that I loved weren't working out anymore. And especially with that line of work and what I'd done, I mean, I built bridges too. I was worked on bridges for several years and that killed me. 
Um, but I had done so much and still struggling financially, still not getting ahead, hurting every day, stressed every day, and just and a lot of other things that I've experienced over the years too. Uh, the best description I ever heard is you, once you start, I, I don't share things. I just take things internally. I take it and I take it and I take it and I take it. I well, you must be getting better at it because you're being pretty open right now. It's because I try and to. Three or try four to help pe- other people. Three, three or four strangers will probably hear this. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. But, uh, but no, um, when you take enough slices of the pie, of pie, a little crossed however long, and you don't do anything with them, eventually you just end up carrying a bunch of pies on your back. And that's what it turned into for me. And uh, frankly, I just, I was tired. Um, and a new parent too, you know, I'd only been, I'd only been a parent for a little over a year. And you had your first kid when you were 22? Yes. We got married when we were 19 and 18. My wife wow. and I did. Wow. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, we've, and like I said, well, we have, we have almost a four-year-old and almost two-year-old now, but, uh, um, I just was very tired and I got, and I got so tired and went such deep down the rabbit hole, um, of, of all of that and just other things that I experienced in my life that I got to the point where I, I was looking down the wrong end of a, of a Glock. Mm. contemplating things or mm. contemplating well set, uh, contemplating a, of essentially um if i was okay with somebody else raising my daughter mm. you got to that level um, of thinking about yeah. this stuff yeah and uh, i was just i was just tired i was a very yeah. tired human being um, you should join our you should join our team several of us are how you say uh mercurial in nature including me mm-hmm. we're all there's several on our little group that are quite moody and mm-hmm. have dark and have dark thoughts but we've, with Hunt all quietly that, should be is turning into kind of a therapy group and kind of a group <laughs> f- focused a on therapy trying to save group hunting. with a purpose <laughs> yeah a therapy group with a focus of saving hunting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But no, basically, uh, just, but so with all of that, the woods is where I find peace, where my mind is quiet. I'm not, I think I have, I've never diagnosed it. I've been struggling with it more as an adult. I think I have ADHD or something because Mm. my mind is just, I have trouble focusing at work and it's, it's caused some work performance, you know, stuff that I've had to deal with and everything too, but it, it, it's manifested. Have you ever thought about getting diagnosed? I don't think I care to because I don't want to have something to blame. I just want to, I just want to deal with it and not have something to blame. Somebody that I work with. Can I say that? Yeah, I think that's, that's vague enough. Has it. And that person's always trying to get me to get diagnosed. I don't think I have. I just think I, but, uh, but this person's medicated for it and they say that it's yeah. changed their life. And that's the thing. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to need a pill to improve yeah. my life and be medicated. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a pill eater. I'm not a shot taker. Uh, any of that stuff. I just, um, uh, I just, I don't want to be reliant to anything. Um, but it, it, but ADHD is a thing. 
Yeah, it is a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm not denying that. That's yeah. why I just say I don't want to have something to blame and hide behind that or give myself anything to hide behind. No, I get I that. I want to cope with it and realize maybe that's what it is and find ways to attack that thing and mm-hmm. and still roll on um and be and be uh you know accurate and measurable in whatever I'm doing. But no, so but when I go to the woods, my mind is quiet. I don't think about a hundred things. I'm, I'm, I'm actually at peace whenever I'm in the woods. I'm a big bush crafter. I love bush crafting and I, and, and all that What's stuff. What's that? Sleeping in the woods, just practicing field craft, uh, like, oh, te- like, like just primitive technology. Yeah. Oh, like, okay. I, the, okay. Like, uh, the friction fires and all oh, that Oh, you stuff. can do that with the little mm-hmm. bow and the string and all mm-hmm. that? Wow. Yep. That's um, cool. So that's a big hobby of mine. Uh, so at all those things, just being in the woods is just, that's, that is my, that's my place of peace. Yeah. So that's where I say like my wife's a saint because I pace around the house and stare out the windows and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm not yeah. There, that's why. Yeah. Um, if, oh, if I'm a couple not, if people in our group right now are, I and me too, just are really struggling with it being over for the year. Uh, mine was over this coming weekend for the year, and man, nine months is a long time. Long time. <laughs> but uh, but now we got off on a heck of a tangent. So let's let's uh, let's reel okay, back in. Okay, so man, well, let's just do. We'll do this again. So like the, going from that to to the crossbow issue just feels like an abrupt shift. So instead, let's if you're okay with it, tell me about. You said that. Your dad and my dad were in the same unit in World War II. Is that a good way to end? Yeah. Um, okay. I think, I believe you can come back the- on anytime you want. We can talk about crossbows next time and whatever else you want next time. Sounds like a uh, You've been a freaking um, great guest, man. If people don't want to hear stories like this, then I just don't have anything for them. So, But, uh, no, I believe is the 87th Infantry Division. Um, you know... You know that they were in the same unit because you know my you've heard my brother talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't I wouldn't have known what unit my dad was in. Yeah, I I, I know it had to have been. I even messaged him about it, not expecting to hear anything back, but I messaged and asked him about it. But uh did you um, hear back? Mm-hmm. Okay. But um it was on Instagram though. And I mean, the guy, I understand the guy's got a million followers on Instagram. He's not going to, he can't possibly answer every message that comes across in front of him. Yeah. But, um, so, but, uh, but no, uh, the, yeah, it's the 87th infantry division. And I think your dad was in the Italy theater. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. Um, my grandpa was, uh, at the battle of the bulge on the European theater. Okay. In, uh, Belgium. On that part okay. of the European How, well, I wish that's something I need to look into, and I can't believe I have it all the books I read. But I don't understand the difference between a division, uh, a company, uh, a battery, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a, the, division a, a division can be, can can be in be, different parts of, can be in multiple countries at the um, same time. Yeah, well, all over the world. Matter of fact, I mean, a division. How many people are in a division? Oh gosh, uh, nowadays it could probably it could probably be thousands. Um, like the like for, we'll use the example the eighty second Airborne Division. Um, okay. 
the all American. Um, they, you know, there's battalions within the division. So, um, there's like the, like you've heard the, like the easy company battle, you know, easy company. Um, mm-hmm. like they did the band of brothers and all that. Yeah. Uh, um, like the, uh, easy company first to the 505th or 506th, one of the two, um, first battalion or, uh, uh, yeah, first battalion, five hundred and sixth infantry division. Uh, you know, hundred and first. However, that works. It goes in stages. Uh, so is it's like it, first. Is, com- is it a division? Okay, so are they from the same area? Like a division? Yeah, it'll would come be- out of the same base. Okay. Yeah, a division will come out of the same base. Like this base, uh, like Fort nowhere that's where that is the home of the 87th infantry division i see that makes and then, sense. then then the, and then that'll be packed full of battalions different battalions under the division and then different companies out of the battalion okay so, so it, it breaks down progressively and so yeah they could have been in multiple theaters at multiple times okay so tell me what you know now oh um, so your grandfather was in the same division as my dad. So mm-hmm. and what and and what division was that? The 87th. And where are they they that, must have been I, around I, Chicago somewhere or in Illinois, right? Unless uh, my dad may, traveled a long ways. That may be. Uh I don't know. Uh, I really wish I wish I knew more as far as that concern. And what's interesting about the fact and is I don't think the 87th was a large division, the like like the 82nd Airborne or the mm-hmm. hundred or the hundred first or the you know third um, infantry division, first infantry division, any of those. They they I don't or I, they weren't big large notable divisions, but they were part of Patton's Third Army, is what it was called. Uh-huh. Um, so they fell under General Patton's um, leadership. Uh, so I don't think that they were a, by comparison, a large infantry division. Okay. So that's where and I you said they're it. called the Acorn Division. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a uh, Wikipedia. Uh, they have their own page too with rosters. Okay. Uh, that's a website that has rosters, and I actually found my grandpa's name on the rosters. Okay. Um, so it might even be worth uh, thumbing through to see if you can find your dad's name in those old oh. rosters. Oh. Uh, but, Mississippi. Really? So my dad must have gone to Mississippi. You know, right? Like, and you, and your grandpa must have gone to Mississippi. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. It's not a division anymore. I then think it's then a dis- that makes sense. When you go to a recruiter's office and you get recruited, then you often get shipped off somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You get it's it's your station wherever oh, you're stationed at. Going full circle to that. Truman book he his division I'm gonna get this wrong but he had to leave his state I think he went to Oklahoma mm. so you know he signed up but then yeah so you could be end up a long ways from your division that you get assigned to could be a long ways from where you <laughs> yeah it's just wherever the yeah. army has need yeah. Really is what it boils down to. It could be coast to coast anywhere, wherever the army or whatever branch you enlist into has need for your position. Right. Um, 
then that's but it must be clustered somewhat because he spent the rest of his life, all his buddies from the military lived around him. So they must have sent a oh, bunch that's cool. of them. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you think about it, during World War II, the effort during World War II, I mean, buddies went down to recruiting stations together and all joined up at the same time. Right. And, Probably you know, ended so up in the same division, in the same platoon. Them, yeah. Right? Yeah, I'd say that's very likely. I'm, like that I know movie Private Ryan. Yep. You know that movie where they're like that's trying to That's an incredible sit. movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, what was it? Five brothers and they were all killed. Yeah. And they were, they're probably all in the same division. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm saying so much shit right now that's kind of true, but it's a little bit off, I'm sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you're saying, though. But yeah. I, that's one I thing about podcasts. Cool. It's like, if you really wanted to learn some shit, you wouldn't listen to a podcast because no matter what podcast you're listening to, there's a lot of stuff that's off about it. Yeah. Whereas if you read a book, it's probably 99% true, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, I man, I, I listen to a tremendous amount of podcasts. Do you think so. podcasts will always be a thing now or do you think they're a fade? A I fad? sure hope so, man, because I, I've said it before. The amount of free knowledge that is out there now with podcasts that's at, that's at your time and disposal, you have to listen to it. I mean, just the knowledge in general that's available to people now at your fingertips. Like, man, you can get a lot of good information out of podcasts. Just if you're trying to target a specific thing. I mean, there's a top podcast for everything now. Yeah. You know, they are, I think you're right that they are a force for good. I mean, even with news, especially probably with news, because like, mm-hmm. could you imagine if it wasn't for podcasts? There's a few independent news sources out there, but you're going to turn in, tune into CNN or Fox and try to figure out what's going on. It's like oh, good luck. 95% editorializing, 5% yeah. presenting facts about what's happening recently transpired in the world and the rest of it is commentary on what's transpired in the world with a severe political bias so yeah yeah, i mean podcasts are definitely a good thing but i just want it's just wild that they that they have that a few people sitting around doing a little sense making has turned out to be such a tremendously popular thing you know and part of me wonders there's probably going to be some winnowing away, some thinning, I would think, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it'll just be like this from here on out. I think a lot of people are interested in other people's opinions. I really, I really believe that. Um, uh, now, so more than in the past, even uh, with the availability of it, people. I think people are becoming, in some ways. And, you know, you look at the, again, you look at the news and you would think the opposite, but I think enough people are becoming open-minded enough about things that they want to hear what other people have to say mm-hmm. and to get some contrasting thought on things. I spent a lot really, of time listening to podcasts with people that I, like, don't, mm-hmm. politi- politically, I'm not aligned with at all, just to hear what other be- other perspectives, you know. Yeah. I don't listen to any hunting podcasts, though. Now, yeah. it's gone from... I didn't have any interest in hunting media to it makes me in, it, it, it inflamed. Really? Yeah. 
Oh, you were, we were, you were, you were going to, we were going to talk about this another we didn't get to was, uh, that elk shape podcast where they're chit chatting about. What Did I you think. watch it? No, I'm, I, well, oh, but I will, I you will. Gotta, Here's I, why I, left, I will. I left Be- three comments on it. So. I oh. hope you watch it. Are people just trashing me out there? I'm sure. I un I unsubscribed from them over the ordeal. Oh, because it was such misinformation. Mm-hmm. Of, of obviously, they have not listened to near enough of your podcast to have had an informed public statement about it. Um, and it was it was just it wasn't it was they missed the mark on the whole thing it just wasn't done correctly he's going to have me on he is yeah so right cuz before- i left in the comments uh, one of my comments was if you email matt i am sure he would love to have you on his podcast to talk about all this stuff i i'm going to go on his and i'd much rather right. because Okay. Here's a conversation that's had been had too many times. The conversation of me talking to somebody that makes money off hunting. There's just nothing more to be said. It devolves into me not believing that they believe what they're saying. You know what I mean? You, Matt, it, and this this is the conclusion I've come to from all your guests that you've had on that are from the opposite side of the aisle, if you want to call it that. Drive a wedge. Let's just let's just drive it home to the opposite <laughs> side of the aisle. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. When it comes to people that are making their living off of it in any way, shape, or form, I do not at this point believe it is possible to get an unbiased straight opinion on anything because they feel like their income is being attacked. That is it. That's the same with him. That's why he didn't. And I was like, man, because I've, I've been, I've stayed subscribed to him. And he's like, and, but the route they decided to go with that video, it's like, it it ultimately lost me. Cause I'm like, you have, You've done things the right, gone about things just in enough of a way that I've I've hung in there. Mm. But but then the way, but like ultimately, that's the vision that I saw it through, and you follow down the path of someone that's coming after. I guess the way he maybe looks at it, coming after his well being, mm-hmm. and right. it's like right, and it's like, and to me that was just missing the mark. It was just a biased. It was the whole it was just a biased video. It was a biased opinion. And so two two couldn't. things are going to happen. We're doing so four podcasts have talked about talked about us recently, usually without using our names, and sometimes at least they use it like said our names, you know. <laughs> but uh, them, Bear Grease podcast, which is a meat eater podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Rogan and Newberg. So next Friday, Jim Durkin and I are going to play clips from all of them and respond to them. Okay. And I, could I give a statement to your audience on this, but on behalf of somebody who has no dog in this fight, I run my little yeah. YouTube. I I run and then we can, I'm, I know you're trying what's to name you, Yeah. What's your na- name of your YouTube too? Let's plug that. Uh, backwards hat, traditional archery. Okay. 
and the names inspired by the traditional bows, the only bow you shoot that you're going to have to spin your head around backwards. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's kind of like a badge of honor. Like I've, I've got to mm-hmm. shoot my hat on, shoot my bow yeah. my head on backwards. But, uh, um, but no, so I've got no dog in this fight other than my little footprint on the traditional archery community. Um, but anybody that's listening, you know, to you guys, I think should understand contrasting to what's being said and things like that video. Uh, and I'll keep this brief. I do not believe that hunt quietly is a, the way it's being portrayed, a socialist minded, um, <laughs> organization that want or, or, or name or that like the hunters for access is that, is these guys that are ticked off about their opportunities to hunt being taken away from them and want to keep other people out of hunting so they can have it for themselves. And which is, you'll know when you rewatch, um, uh, that video, uh, that's that this like totalitarian of, uh, totalitarianism of, of keeping it for us. That's (laughs) that. And, that is that's, that is the that's most a reoccurring missed, theme. That's the yeah. most missed mark statement I have heard. And I'm I mean, I'm a pre I have my own opinions on things, but I'm pretty logical when it comes to my approach on things too, to my thought process on things too. And I have not we're anywhere close to got that from this podcast. And this isn't me, you know, trying to suck a fart out of your rear or anything like no, that. No, no, no. I have nothing to give you, so yeah, yeah. So, and I've got nothing to gain. I mean, it's just I, all I see is is somebody that's giving contrasting thought to the machine, yeah, uh, the well, hunting, the hunter, the hunting matrix, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah. And people don't like it because it's not what they're programmed to being used to, and uh, people don't have the ability to think for themselves. And I out of a deep moral place i i don't i i just don't and that's why i don't people a lot of people have asked me and we can get into this again on another pot on another episode of uh, why i don't film my hunts and why i won't film my own hunts i've done it i've tried to do it a couple times but um it's i can't do it in a way that i feel like i could possibly show enough respect to the animal to do it um and it's a sacred thing to me of that I'm going out there for my food to engage with wildlife and probably one of the most raw ways that human beings can engage with wildlife. I mean, it's, it's in our DNA to do that. Um, and it's a sacred thing and it doesn't, a camera is no place in that situation. Um, and that's why I don't do it. Uh, and I wish people would take a step back enough to look at our ancestral um, reasons of why we hunt, why hunting exists, uh, that the, these animals were put here, uh, that God put these animals here for us to eat, not to profit off of. Um, and that we're hunters, gatherers, not, um, killers for fame. Um, and that's not the way it should be. Uh, that's not the model, uh, that hunting should represent and that, um, ultimately, uh, doing things in respectful manner has to be has to be a priority uh and being tasteful and how you present yourself as a hunter because sure the anti-hunting community is strong they're there they're fighting hard they are united in what they're trying to accomplish but 
what does not help is people giving a bad image on our behalf of our much smaller community um of giving that bad image of the grip and grins the the tongues hanging out the of all things if you're going to videotape your hunt stop please stop videotaping animals flopping over kicking struggling for life um i don't like watching that um for entertainment it makes me cringe frankly um parading your deer around town for the entire world to see with you know freaking legs and tongues and everything hanging out you know with your tailgate down you know like or on the back of your side by side driving down the highway um all, all those things that that's that's ultimately my, the big message that i want to get out to people uh just professionalism respect to the animal and respect to the way of life and uh, act like hunters not people that hunt i guess and that you guys i think are, are fully on board with that and uh just want people to just want people to see things in that same light i really think is what you guys are ultimately trying to get to and um, stop posting your crap all over the internet for the world to see because it's not doing any good. So that's my soapbox. Man, that's freaking beautiful. Uh, yeah, you're wise beyond your years. Do you, is this a message you carry through on your, I know it's mainly a shooting. I actually did a video a few weeks ago. Uh, that was kind of off the norm for me, and it didn't perform well, and I lost some subscribers over it. But uh, five things that's killing hunting in the Midwest. Oh, um, and uh, and it was a bit of a soapbox on some of these hot topics. Hot topics. The same issues. sort of thing, like this, like the same sort of things that you just said in closing, right there. Some of those issues. Yeah. Yep. The social media, the leasing, the uh, uh, being distasteful. And you know, yeah, just a yeah, about five main key things. And uh, if anybody would wants you, to, would watch you mind video, if we we reposted that? Yes, that, that would be totally fine with me. Okay, if would you, you would you mind emailing it to me? Yeah, okay. yep, that'd be fine. Ethan, thank you so much. I struggle a lot to maintain motivation because it's just a lot of energy. It, is, it takes a lot of energy to do this, and it's easy to get. And it's easy to get discouraged and like just knowing that there's fellow American hunters like you out there that are so thoughtful and you're the next generation. And now you are more invested in this than I will ever be because you have these two young kids and you're going to want to introduce them to this someday, you know? So mm -hmm. I'm just delighted to call you a fellow American hunter. So. And Matt, I'll tell you this, and we can we can wrap this up. Uh, just keep keep fighting the good fight, man. And uh, I, I know us, you, mo none of us should have to be told this, but we have to be reminded from time to time that uh, anything worth doing is worth overdoing, and anything worth having doesn't come easy. And then um, the one of the big things that I live by, uh, my day to day life by, and I face with these situations all the time. Um, and I constantly have to tell myself is you can't put a price on being able to live with yourself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, uh, it's, it, yeah, anything worth having is, uh, it's not going to be easy. So yeah, keep, keep embracing the suck and keep rolling on my friend. It's, it's, uh, it's making a positive impact. Well, thank you, sir. I'm so glad you're out there. I appreciate the encouragement. 
please let's stay in touch. Yeah, Blend, let's do this again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Okay, good night. Yep.